Once again, happy Sabbath, everyone. We know it was a struggle. Y'all have been, we have been all busy trying not to do anything this week. But we know it was a struggle, and we just thank you all for, for fighting through, for fighting through the barriers and the walls, the things that the devil tries to put up to keep us from listening to our God. And uh, I want to, I can't tell you enough, the, the battle is real. It is real on a level that we, at this time, not able to comprehend. But it is indeed a battle for the souls of men. And this coming year, we're going to have to really understand that, that this battle is, is, be, is without Christ, we're going to lose. But God has been faithful. God has been good to us. Has he not? Yes. Has he, he has blessed us. When you think about this time last year, where were we? And we think about all the things that we've gone through this year. And we just thank him for getting us through it. Because they all have not been pleasant, have they? But they all have been blessed. And we thank God for it. If we would turn our Bibles to the book of John this morning. Verse 17. Chapter 17. Book of John, chapter 17. We're going to talk about something. Uh, I guess you could best call it relationships. Our interaction with each other, as well as our God, it can be classified as a relationship. And we need to understand how to properly have a relationship and what the relationships really mean and, 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 and what, what is the motivating factor for our relationships. Because as we go into this new year, we're going to have to be start to form different relationships. And we're going to have to find how to, to enhance the relationships that we currently have. But in John 17, 5, there was a relationship that happened before the world was ever created. And we want to look at John, I'm sorry, chapter 17, verse 5. John 17, verse 5, and it says, Jesus was speaking. He said, Now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee when? So we wanted to look at this relationship. There was a relationship that was found before we were existing. The relationship between the father and the son. And he said, glorify. He said, put, I, I, I want to be where I was. I want to have you in me where I was before any of this took place. Before there was anything created, I was with you. So there's an eternal relationship between the father and the son that God wants so desperately for us to participate in. But always understand, no matter what the world is offering and what the world is coming at you with, there's an eternal relationship that exists that we can be a part of. And that's the relationship that the Father and the Son had. And they, their love for us let us participate in that relationship, which is one, one of the questions I'm going to try to remember if we make it to the kingdom. Father, why would you share that with us? And this is a great gift that God has given us. Stay in John, if you would. We're going to be in John a lot today. Because John, his perspective on, uh, uh, on the life of Christ was rooted and grounded in love. Matthew had another perspective. Uh, uh, Mark had another perspective. Luke was more of, a, of a, a, a theologian perspective. John was all about love. Everything you want to find about love can be found in the book of John and in the book of 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He was, I mean, th th this guy wa was all about that because that was what he was. And so let's go to John 10. The relationship he wanted us to understand was this. 
First, it is eternal between the Father and the Son. But if you go to John 10 and read verse 30, you'll find out the type of relationship. And this is what we're going to have to learn about having, relating to our God and also relating to one another. And in John chapter 10, verse 30, the scripture simply reads, I and my Father are one. That's the relationship. They're one. Two separate entities, but they're one in purpose, in mind, and in spirit. And that's the relationship we're going to have to learn how to have with our God if we're going to have successful relationships here on earth. I and my Father are one. And think about that just for a moment, that the Son of God understood that, that it's not about me. It's never been about me. Me and my father are one. It's about my father, what my father wants. And that's what gave him the most joy on earth, doing the will of his father. So we have an eternal relationship, and we have a certain, and it's, it's built upon the oneness of, of, of heaven. And stay in, just go to John 1, John chapter 1. Now, we have a relationship between the Father and the Son, but now there's, they, they introduce something. They introduce another, uh, another body into their love, into their relationship. And we read this in 1 John, I mean, not 1 John, John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. John 1, beginning at verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. Now, we found out that there was a relationship before the beginning. Amen? But he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And what? And the life was the light of who? Men. Now we have another entity involved in this relationship. Men. Us. He said in the beginning was the word. He said before all this stuff was, we had a relationship, but now we created this being to have a relationship with us. And our relationship is a relationship based on love. Now, he said, he said, all things were created by the word. Now, we know this during our studies. Who was the word? Jesus. So who created the heaven and the earth? So we understand that, right? And so, but, but let's go, now, now let's go to Genesis. How did man get to be part of this relationship, the heavenly relationship? Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And let's start, let's read verse 7. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a what? So now man has a relationship. With who? With God. He has a love relationship with God now. And so that, not just the eternal relationship from the Father and the Son, now man has a relationship with him. This is what should be so wonderful to your ears that the eternal Father, the eternal Son, has a relationship with man. Now, if you, if you go back to, go to 1 John now. We're just trying to see how these relationships came to be, first of all, who's involved in these relationships, and what are these relationships built, in, built on. Now, then we'll go and try to find out how we get to really participate in these relationships and how we can participate in each other's relationships, relationships I should say with each other. Now, 1 John chapter 4. 
I just firmly believe that every point should be substantiated. <laughs> and so I know sometimes we go places and we speak and say, why are you using all these scriptures? Because it ought to be substantiated. It's like you're in a court. You just can't go in there and just say, I feel like this. We're talking about God. And so we need to learn God's words. And God's, uh, uh, he said, make it plain. And this is why we use all these scriptures. This is why, Morgan, we, we, we say this is the reason why we came to this conclusion. Because there's enough people out here coming to conclusions with no reason. And so we have to be a people that don't do that. But in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, he says, And we have known and believe the love that God hath to us. God is what? Love. love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. The relationships we have been talking about are built and sustained on the word love. God love. Because God is love, right? So these relationships between the Father and the Son of Man that they have with us and they want us to have with them are based totally on love. It was like that in the beginning. What happened? Man formed another relationship. See, at first it was okay. The Father, I mean, it was the, the, the Godhead, and when he said, let us make man in our own image, in the likeness of us, and, and then it was man, and so man and the Godhead. They had this love relationship together. Then what happened? Man formed another relationship. Go to Genesis, if you would. We won't read the whole story. We'll just read Genesis 3 and just a few verses. Man, man. Not the father. Father didn't give up. The father didn't stop. Not the son. The son didn't stop. It was man. Man formed another relationship. Man cheated on the relationship. Now look at this. Genesis chapter 3. Let's start at verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods knowing good and evil. Man sought out another relationship. This relationship that they formed at this time caused death, destruction. It caused pain and agony. But man was left free to make another relationship. And it was a terrible one. It was not based on love. That relationship was based on self. Self-love. And we're going to look at that today. Do our relationships based on self-love or true love? And that's when we'll know what relationship we're really in. Now, but because true love didn't sever the relationship, God didn't stop. That love he had for us, it didn't stop. Go to 1 John. Go back to 1 John. It did not stop. And this is when we find out what true love really is and the relationship that the Father still wants to have with us. He said in, in 1 John chapter 4 again, let's go down to 9. 1 John chapter 4, and let's, let's start at verse 9. It says, in this was manifested something called the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son, you know, the one that had the eternal relationship with the Father, the one that created earth and heaven and all the things therein. He said, the Father sent the Son into the world that we may what live why because that's what a love relationship does you messed up i'm gonna love you through it that's when we start to 
understanding what our relationship is based in. He said, verse 10, herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. See, now we're going to start understanding what true love is. We did not deserve it. We chose another relationship, right? But God says, I'm going to love you through it. I'm going to give you this opportunity because I love you. I understand the, 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 the nature of our relationship. I'm forever for you. And so just because you went astray, I'm still forever for you. And I'm going to make a way. I'm going to sacrifice my only begotten son because I love you that much. And that's what my relationship is built on, love. And so what did he do? He sent Jesus, the one with the eternal father. He sent him to, to die for us because of love. Not because we loved him. We didn't even know how to love Jesus. We're still learning what that is. But he said, I didn't wait on you to understand what I was doing. I did it because my relationship with you is built on love. How many relationships are we in now? What are they built on? We'll find out because love relationships will, 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 will uh, uh, get through the storms. Relationships built on something else tend to fall apart. Still in 1 John. Let's go up to verse 7. 1 John chapter 4. Let's go to verse 7. He said, I have shown you what my love is, my relationship is with you, and this is the relationship I want you to have with each other. He said, Beloved, let us love one another. Now, now we know what love is. Love loves you through it. Love doesn't give up on you. Love doesn't, doesn't say, well, you messed up, you should be punished, die. Love said, man, I'll, we'll get through this. We'll get through it. You hurt me, but we'll get through this. Can you imagine that kind of love, Morgan? How, 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 how you can have that relationship, not only with one another, but with a God. God says, man, I, I don't need you to do anything that I do because I'm God, but I love you so much. Come on, let me, let me help you. Yeah, it hurt. Man, to see my son hanging on that thing for something he didn't do. Man, to, it, it hurt me to see Eve spit in my face. It hurt me to see Adam be weak. And from that point on, it has hurt me to see all of these souls that could have been saved refuse me. But I'm not going to let that hinder my love for you. If you would just choose me, we can do this together. And that's a God I want to serve. I don't think I need the rest of them. I think I need this one. But in John 4, we're up to 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Amen? Amen. But he that loveth not knoweth not God. Why? For God is love. Now, what kind of love are we talking about? The love he has for us. So when you're in a relationship with God or a relationship with each other, and you don't have the love that is exemplified by God, that's not called love. That's called a re strange relationship. So when we use the word love, let us understand what that means. I give all for you. How many relationships have you had that that was the case? I give all for you. All. That means self too. It's not just cars and diamonds and pearls. It's myself. 
I give my selfishness up for you. I ask the God of the heavens, Lord, take self away so I can love even more. That's the love he's talking about. Now, now with the two types of love that, uh, that exist in relationships, there's true love and the love of self. Most measure their relationships based on how well self is being satisfied. You ever met people like that? I love you as long as. Some of you guys dated people, you know, you know at some point in life. Some of you girls have dated people. As, and you've dated people, but when you, whatever it was that you were dating for stopped, then they stopped loving you. I don't love you no more. You never did. You have no concept of what that means. A young guy asked me in high school, man, you in love? I said, man, I have no idea what that is, and you need to stop talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> and they, yeah, he back in high school. They, yeah, I was a little off. Uh, I said, I don't know what that is, man. I'm not old enough to know. I was 17. I have no idea what that means. Man, you know, we, you know everybody in love. No, bro, I ain't gonna put that stamp on nothing I'm doing. God was teaching me even then. Love is something totally different than what we say it is. Our love is classified as self. What we want out of a relationship is the satisfaction of self. And that's horrible. That's not love. Now, I'm not saying you need to be in a relationship, an abusive relationship. Nobody's saying that at all. But don't call love, don't classify your relationship as love if you don't love like Jesus. That's not love. That's self. Now think about it. If you've been in a relationship and he makes me feel good, she makes me feel good, what is that based in? You. How you feel. The worst thing is feelings when you have a serious relationship. Feelings change moment by moment, don't they? How many people in love but get mad? Oh yeah, I mean, do anything. But you have these moments where you get upset with somebody. You know, oh, if, as long as everything is fine, oh, we just so in love, we just, oh, this is one of them. Let an argument happen. Man, shoot, I can do better than this. <laughs> That's how fickle we are as people. Man, I ain't gotta take that from that person. Oh, who you think he is? Tell me that, or who she thinks she is, I'm mad. But what happened to love? That was like, as long as you satisfy myself. Always, before you get in these relationships, understand you're not looking for somebody to satisfy you. That's a waste of time. Most people get married because, oh, they, make, they complete me. They, make, they give me everything I want. They satisfy all the needs. They fill all my needs. That is a selfish way of looking at stuff. And you will always look that way. You will always be wrong when you choose somebody because it's not about you. How did Christ do it? What did we bring to the table but pain and misery? But he loved us anyway. He said, I love you more. I'm going to love you so much, I'm going to teach you what love is. Now, then you know what God did? He gave us a love uh, manual. Right. And, you know, people say, oh, it's the Bible. You know what the love manual is found? 
Exodus chapter 20. So turn to Exodus chapter 20. God showed, I'm going to teach you about love. Because there's relationships that we, first two relationships we need to understand is that there's a relationship with God that we must first have in order to understand what love is. That's true. The second one, you know, we have a relationship with his church. Got quiet in here, didn't it? That's okay, because we're going to hit this one pretty hard today by God's grace. Because this sermon didn't start out the way I thought it was going to end when he gave it to me. I'm like, oh, we're going to say this? It's going to be one of them, I say it's going to be one of them feel-good sermons. Yeah. Be one. This is my last Sabbath this year. And at least we have one this year. <laughs> then nobody's toes get stepped on. He said, yeah, it's wonderful. Then put it in there. Oh. <laughs> but we have to have a first relationship with God so he may teach us how to love. Not only how to love him, but love one another. Don't you want to be in a relationship with somebody godly loves you? Now, godly love is strong. Godly love is, it, 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 it will keep you out of a lot of foolishness. You won't even be bothered with most stuff because I love you as God loves me. I'll give it all for you. Even when I want to go left and you say, well, we ought to go right, man, I'll go right with you. You know, as long as you ain't killing us. But, you know, because most of the time, most arguments we have in relationships are based on non-life-threatening uh, uh, moments. It's more like I want pasta and I want pizza. It's that kind of stupid stuff. Man, she know I like pasta. I don't know why she keep begging it. <laughs> Is that something to fall out over? It ain't a federal case. Just eat the pasta and be quiet, dude. Be happy somebody made you something to eat. And say, I love you so much, I'm going to stop complaining. Because I know when people complain against me, it makes me feel bad. You really think your spouse hates you and wants you to just be miserable? Most times, that's not the case. Now, you got some knuckleheads out there, but we're not talking about those people. We're talking about y'all. Y'all don't hate each other. Y'all just have difference of opinions on some things. Don't let those difference of opinions let y'all fall out. Because God didn't fall out with the difference of opinion that Eve had. In, in, in Genesis, that was a big difference of opinion. He said, you shall not surely die. She said, oh, I. <laughs> he didn't fall out with him. He said, man, we got a problem. I'm going to love you through it. But our relationship with God is found in Exodus chapter 20. This love relationship. Let's go to Exodus 20. Let's start at verse 3. First thing God says, this is the love I want you to have for me, and I'm going to teach you how to love me. He said, Exodus chapter 20, and verse 3 says, thou shall have what? No other gods before me. That's reasonable. Since he loved you from the beginning, before the earth was, he loved you. And his love is what's sustaining you now. He said, look, I'm the God that gives you breath, hope, life, food, energy, thought. Just don't have no other peanut God. Is that a hard request? Don't have a lesser God than me. I am the God. Here, have a relationship with me. Isn't that wonderful? That's not an unreasonable request. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's a love relationship. You say, okay, Lord, all right, no other God. Okay, and then you go down to verse 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. 
Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. He was just saying, look, this is what I meant when I said don't have any other gods before me. Let me explain myself to them. See, the rest of these gods out here, y'all make statues and bow down to them. But also, I want you to understand, you can make your own self your own god. And I don't want you to bow down yourself to them either. That god called self, don't bow down to that because it's going to cause I mean, uh, destruction in your life. He said, I'm the only god. Follow me and watch me love you through this. And so I said, oh, great, Lord. Wonderful. Wonderful. He has shown us the way, has he not? Now, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. He said, please. Now, you claim me. I'm your only God. Act like it. Act like it. Stop ruining my name on this earth. Man, you know how many people just really dogging the name of the Lord? I'm a Christian. Really? There's nothing in your life that tells me that. There's no fruit in your life that's saying I'm a Christian. Why? Because you hadn't fallen in love with him. When you fall in love with God, when you really fall in love with him, your whole being wants to please him. Your whole being wants to please him. And, and when you do, your fruits please him, don't you? When, when God says, uh, be, uh, uh, do this for me. Don't have any other gods. And, 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 and do what I ask you to do. You say, Lord, thank you. I just need to know what to do. That, that, instead of, mm, I got to do that. What do you mean I got to stop doing that? God says, look, just I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to love you through this. Stop confusing the issue. I'm not trying to keep you from anything that's going to bring you joy. I'm keeping you from the false hope that you have in the dark side. Amen. He said, look, let me help you with that. And he said, uh, don't take my name in vain. See, because when I get out here and try, and try to help you and use you, you, you got to be claiming who I am, but being who I ask you to be. He said, don't take my name in vain. Don't give me a bad reputation. Jesus has a bad reputation, doesn't he? Why? Because of us. I, see, I talk to atheists and people who have just been beat up by the church. And I, and I, I said, man, if that was that God, man, I'd be with you. Because I, I wouldn't do that either. How can you have a God that wants to punish you every day of your life when you fail? That's what a lot of people will say. I'm not with church. I'm not with God anymore. I said, man, if that was my God, I'd be right there with you, bro. But that's not Jesus. That's what they've been telling you. They've been vainly taking his name. This is who he really is. And so let's keep going. He said, uh, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And then he says this. Remember what? The Sabbath day. Remember, he's teaching us how to love him. He said, this is my relationship with you. He said, remember the Sabbath day. For what purpose? To keep it holy. And then we go into six days, thou shalt not, not labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, and it thou shalt not, you know, all, you know, all those things. He told you what that was about. This is a love relationship. The Sabbath is more than a point on the calendar. It is a love relationship. So he gave us these commandments to teach us how to love him. And how to show love to him. Man, I won't have any other gods. 
I won't take your name in vain. I won't bow down. And I'll remember the great gift of the Sabbath that you give me, man. So I am different. That other sun God, y'all can have him. That little guy with the red hat, y'all can have him. My God is God, and I want to please him. I'm not bowing down to the fir tree. I'm not hanging these things all over the place. I'm not saying ho, ho, ho. I'm not doing that because I want to please my God. If that's your God, you go ahead and do your thing. Man, that guy said Jesus is the reason for the season. What season are you talking about? <laughs> all this, man, all of this is pagan. I mean, but, but, but you choose to do this to remember Jesus. I'm all for remembering Jesus. I'm all for remembering Jesus' birth, his life, the death, and his resurrection, and his ministry in the most holy sanctuary right now. Yes, let's celebrate that. But man, we can't use this to do it. We can't. But that's another subject. We won't get into that. But God says, remember my day. That's the love I have for you. I'm giving you a day, man. It's just me and you. We get to hang out. We get to talk. I get to talk to you. I get to download stuff in your mind. I get you to, to learn how to fellowship one with another. I, I teach you about loving. Every week. I was talking to my wife. I said, you know, we have a, they, call, they have a Christmas once a year. People kind of freak out because they can't buy anything except at Walgreens. And everything's closed. Everything's closed. And people really freak out. They, like the day before, they buy like 15 weeks worth of stuff because the store's going to be closed a week. One day. We have one of those every week. So it's no big thing to us. We got a day in the week that we don't do anything like that. And it's okay for us. Isn't that a great gift? So we don't get stressed out because the store closed. Okay. Amen. That's the relationship he has with us. But uh, let's go to uh, the word 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. God says there's another relationship. Because you love me and because you love my Sabbath and you love my everything about me and what, uh, this relationship, I started something I wanted you to, to, uh, to, to deal with. Uh, and, and 1 Timothy chapter 3, I believe it is. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And what we're going to see here, there's another relationship that has to do with the Lord. It has to do with his worship of him. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, and if we would read, mercy, verse 15, I believe it is. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and it says, but if I tarry long. This is a brother talking about, you know, giving instruction to the church. He said, but if I tarry long, we're in 1 Timothy 3.15. He uh, said, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how what? Thou oughtst to behave thyself in the house of God, which is what? Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So there is something called the church of God, and there's a way to act concerning it, not just in it, but concerning it. Is that true? 
He said, look, it is the pillar and ground of truth. God chose church, the, 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 common, I mean, the coming together, an and, and assembling of people, to, he chose that as a method to tell the world about him, about the love that you have just found out because you have that relationship with him. He said, but there is a what? There's a way that y'all ought to behave yourself concerning my house. See, if you got a relationship with me, you got to have a relationship with my house. Because where does he live? Revelations chapter 2 teaches us he uses the church to tell the world. The messages always come to the church. But there's a way you ought to behave, is it not? When we were little, we knew there was a way to behave in church, didn't we? You didn't run all them down the aisles, did you? Man, you, you step out of line. One of those ladies with them white shoes would, would make sure that you got put back in place. There was a way not only to act in the house of God, but there's a way to act for the house of God. Go to Haggai, if you would. The book of Haggai. If it's the ground of truth, it's the pillar of truth, it's the church of the living God, we must understand there's something we must do. And we're going to find out very shortly that there's a difference between churchgoers and church members. Because we're in search of church members now. Not churchgoers. We're, we're not looking for church jumpers. Anybody know what a church jumper is? It's an individual who goes from place to place until they find a church that tells them they don't have to change. They go from house to house. They'll stop even going to church because, you know, I have my own interpretation and I don't want to be told what to do. There's a lot of churches you can go to. Man, they don't tell you nothing. But listen to this song. And man, by the time you leave that church, you're just so wired. You're so inspired. Too bad it's not the Holy Ghost that's doing the inspiration. But you feeling good. You coming out that door. Man, that was all right. Well, what would you learn? Man, that music. <laughs> <laughs> that was all right, man. Did you hear, what's, what's his name, Junebug? He, he, was, he was really doing it. And the pastor got up there, he was just, man, he was hollering, and, and it was, he was, you could tell he was full of the ghost. Yeah, he was. It was a ghost, all right. But they go from church to church until they can find, the, the demons inside can find a comfort zone. I often remember the, 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 the account of when Jesus had to cast out some demons in a man, the man was in church and the demons were so comfortable there. The demons could just sit there in, 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 the, in the church because there wasn't nothing being said. There was nothing, uh, there was nothing from God being told. There was no adjustments that needed to be made. That, that demon could have sat in that church for 60 years and it had been just fine. But as soon as the truth walked in the door, that demon said, oh, oh, oh what are y'all doing in here? So I would, I would, you know, counsel you to find a church where the demons aren't comfortable. The demons that are in us aren't comfortable. We're easy to point out demons in others, but legion be his name. And sometimes we have them. But we don't want church jumpers. Well, I'll take that back. Let the church jumpers jump on in here <laughs> and see what happens. Maybe, because maybe we were church jumpers at one time, but something happened to us and we stuck. Church comers. They come for one purpose. They come to be fed. That's okay. Shouldn't you be fed? You should get fed. 
But that's not how you ought, you ought to act concerning God's church. Be fed, but you come to do what? Feed. You come to give. You come to fellowship. You come to have the experience of the assembling of yourselves together. And church members guard the reputation of the church. They take on the responsibility of keeping the order of the church. That's what a church member does. It, he, I don't expect people to give all. He does. He said, that's my house. You come to my house. Go to Haggai chapter 1. See, we're looking for church members in 2015. We've had a lot of church comers, church goers, church jumpers. But we're looking for members. His, members of his church. Amen? Amen? And you happen to be sitting in one of his churches. Amen? Amen. And, and you happen to be listening. You happen to be watching. Okay? So I don't want anybody to think they left out. Haggai chapter 1. Let's start at verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lay waste? Good question. Of course it was a good question. Lord, ask it. Then he said, Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, do something called consider your ways. Remember, when Timothy said how you ought to act concerning his church, he said, I need you to consider your ways. You're, he said, you're saying it might not be time to have a church. It might not be time to have a place of worship. It might not have, be time for, 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 for the Lord to do this right now. And the Lord said, uh, let me ask you something. Is it time for you to dwell in your houses and the house of God lay waste? Church members don't let God's house lay waste. They do, they do everything they can to make sure God's house is taken care of. Some people say, well, you know, that's the Lord. He can take care of his own house. The Lord could do that in an instant. But the Lord is trying to find and save church members. He's trying to refine us. So he puts us in circumstances that cause you to make a decision. He said, he asked the question, you, you, you dwell in your sealed houses and my house lay waste. Now verse 5 says, therefore, therefore, now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Now that's a, that's a hard thing, man. Work all week and broke. He said, he did this. He said, ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye, ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that, what, earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with hope. You always don't have anything. I got two jobs and I don't have anything. He said, that's because you living in your sealed houses and my house lay waste. You don't care about the house of God. That's why he said, consider your ways. He didn't say, I'm going to kill you because of this. He said, just consider, because right now you're living under mercy because you didn't know. You didn't know. But he said, I love you. Remember, we started out saying, God says, I'm going to love you through it. Amen? And so let's keep going. 
Thus saith the Lord, verse 7, of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye look for much, and lo, it came to little. Anybody have any big plans? And it just fell flat. We're just trying to give you the reason why your life is, sucks. Let's go. He said, ye look for much, and lo, it came to little, and when ye brought it home, I did blow on it. Man, I have lived that life. Man, what happened to the money? It's, and you don't know. You can't figure out why it's gone. Or you can't figure out why the plan fell apart. Or you can't figure out, we had this, this thing going and it just fell apart. What well, God says, why? Say of the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man into his own house. Now listen, I want y'all to understand this. God's not saying that you shouldn't have a house. Okay? But like we talked about in Sabbath school earlier, put, my, put me in front. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and I'll give you your house, and I'll give you your house more abundantly, and I'll give you uh, things that you, could, you don't even know because your ways are so crooked. I'm going to make you something better than you ever could be, but I need you to consider my house. Consider my ways first. And if you do that, I'll show you what love can do for you. Because I have all. Jesus said, I am all in all. I have it all. Now, I want to share it all. But you've got to give up your ways. Sounds like a good deal to me. Amen. I don't care if you have an 18,000 square foot house and 17 Bentleys in the drive. In the garage, I'm sorry, you don't park Bentley's in the driveway. <laughs> God says, that's nothing. You have no idea what I am. I can give you more than that, if necessary, but I can give you the joy you thought all that was going to bring you. But, but look at my house. My house has holes in the ceiling. My house ha has things that, you know, like they just have to piece it together. My house lay waste while yours doesn't. And I'm the one that gave you the house. You see, church members, there's a responsibility to God for his house. And when his house lays waste, now his house lays waste because his house, why is his house in debt? Why is his house, why, why does he have to worry? Uh, uh, he said, well, why the light bill ain't paid? Now, Think about it and pray about it. God gave you all that you have. What's amazing about it, I can tell you this. When something major happens into, in your life, you'll find out what's real and what's not. Let your child get sick. You'll leave that job. Don't the people at school call you when your child gets sick? And what do you do? Depending on how sick it is, or if you know your child, your child playing, just let them stay there. But, you know, uh, Manny, Manny fell off the monkey bars, you know, <laughs> and, and broke his arm. Do you think a meeting is going to keep you? I'm out. You know, it's a million dollar deal, Juan. It'll be there tomorrow, but I got to go. 
Or if you get sick, who do you call when the doctors say they can't find anything? What do you call? The physician? No, you say, Father, have mercy. He said, well, if that, I'm that, don't I at least have a place to, you know, that people can come and hear? So we got to find out what's most important to us. Is it us or, them, or God? And believe and trust him enough to know he's going to take care of you better than you can take care of yourself. Amen. I know he's better than me. I've been with me all my life. How about you? Can he help you? Has he helped you? Amen. Well, don't un just understand there's a relationship with God and there's a relationship with his house. And believe me, if you don't believe that, let him blow on you a little bit. Let, let that bag of money you, you put in the bank, watch what happens to it. Quiet as it kept, your money is losing value every second that you are alive. You put a million dollars in the bank yesterday, it ain't a million dollars anymore. So why not help the Lord? Because he's going to help you. He's been helping you. Amen? Now, there's another relationship. What about each other? See, we, we found out the relationship between God and man and what our relationship is and what we are, uh, he's going to do for us and what our obligations are to him. What about each other? Go back to Exodus. Remember, Exodus 20 is a love manual. That's all it is. It's not the commandments. It's a love manual. Say, man, here you go. When you love, this is what's going to happen. And let you tell me that you wouldn't want to live in a society that, 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 that it is fashioned after Exodus chapter 20. Let's go to Exodus 20, 12. Here's a relationship you need to tighten up. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. That's a neighbor relationship. Amen? He said, love that. Honor your father and mother. Anybody here not honoring your father and mother? Let me tell you something. Your life is going to be miserable because you didn't, you didn't do this. It'll never be right. It'll never be right. Honor them. Oh, my daddy was a rolling stone. And my mama, she wasn't no good. And he didn't say honor your father and mother if they right. Are you here? You alive? Somebody gave birth to you, right? Nelson, you're learning that somebody changed your diaper. Honor them. Give them the, give them the respect due to your, your parents. Amen? Amen? Then he said, uh, 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 verse 13, thou shalt not kill. Would you love to live in an environment where death is not, an, I mean, murder is not uh, around? <laughs> this is the love letter. This is how you treat each other. Now, kill is not just pulling the trigger, Morgan. You can assassinate somebody's character. You can spread rumors. You can set lies on people. Wouldn't you love to live in an environment where that's not the case? Then he says, thou shalt not steal. No, I'm sorry, I skipped over something. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh, wouldn't you love to live in a... a, a you, if your marriage is adultery-free, wouldn't that be wonderful? Your life would be different. Wouldn't it? And it can be. It can be. Because you've learned how to love. See, in adulterous relationships, it's because you don't love each other. You don't know about love. You don't care about the other person. 
Well, I do care. No, you don't. Shut up. You don't. Why? Because if you love that other person, you wouldn't hurt that person like that. So God says, hey, my love manual says this is not going to happen. Hey, it's good, right? Now, can imagine, if you knew that would never happen, you would have more patience in your relationship. You would respect your relationship a little bit more. It's like divorce. If you know divorce was off the table, you'd work it out. <laughs> Somehow, somewhere, you'd work it out. But let me tell you something. You can't pick and choose what you're going to put into your relationship from the Lord. It's got to be all or nothing. You can't say, well, God said this. Oh, well, yeah, he did. But God said all of this, too, that you're not doing. So don't try to put that in this soup of heathenism. I'm sorry. Let's keep going. <laughs> Thou shall not steal. That would be nice. What else? Thou shall not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shall not covet thy neighbor's house. Wouldn't that be wonderful if you didn't have to spend your entire existence trying to be like somebody else? There would be no commercials on television. There will only be infomercials. I inform you this product exists. <laughs> he said, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. So stop comparing each other's wives. That's the worst thing you can say, man. I wish you were like her. She should hit you in the face. That's a terrible thing to say to your wife. I wish you were more like her. Well, first of all, why are you looking at her? Right? Why do you think she got it going on and I don't? Why don't if, you, if your wife is not what you want, don't you think it's your responsibility to be what you should be? And watch God make her what she needs to be. Because anybody who makes a statement that says, I want her to be like that, is operating from a position of selfishness. So God, when you find yourself, guys, saying that, say, Lord, fix me. I'm selfish. I'm sorry. And watch what God does to your wife. Maybe your wife is being right and you wrong. You ever thought that? Maybe she's trying to do what's right. And you don't like right. It works the same way, opposite to husbands and wives, the same thing. But God says, look, don't covet your neighbor's wife, man. That means don't cover your neighbor's husband, too. Don't, 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 don't do that. <laughs> don't praise another man above your husband, unless that man is Jesus. Don't tear your house down. Oh, I wish, oh, I wish we could just, just sit down and have classes on this stuff. Because it's, it's a, to, to us, it's just godly common sense. We could teach young women, don't turn, don't tear your house down. Young men, don't tear your house down. Because the house starts with you too. I don't know why we're talking about this. But you, you got to know this. These are simple things about marriage that your grandfather used to share with you. But nobody's grandfather is about anything anymore. Maybe one or two. But, but nobody's telling you this. And you're dying, and you don't know why you're miserable. And some people stay married 25 years just miserable because they don't know this. They don't know the love of God, so they don't know how to love each other. So don't covet your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant. Man, I want that job. Why he get to have that job? What about? Nor his maidservant, nor his ox. Okay? So we won't be coveting oxes. 
What's that modern day ox? His equipment, his cars, his all his. Why are you covenant that? If Nelson came up here and he got a brand new ox, <laughs> we said, man, give me a ride. Let me see how that good ox, God bless you with that good ox. Man, that's a good ox. Right? That's love that we have one for another, right? It's not a covet relationship anymore. It's not a selfish perspective anymore. It's, man, I am happy for you. You got it. I know you've been wanting this. And you know, one day we'll graduate and help somebody get it. I know that's, that's PhD stuff. <laughs> we are going to help somebody get what they need. There's a lot of needs in this place. And we have the capability of helping somebody get it. Now get out of your pocket. I'm not just talking about money. Help people. Make them better people. Amen? Amen. Now, nor is as, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Now go to Galatians. We're going to finish up here. I thought we were going to run out. I thought we were going to be too short. I apologize. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to learn this. See, this is what church members learn. You come to church, and, and, and you're going to get this instruction, and we're going to learn how to be members of God's body because we're going to be, learn how to be brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to learn that. And make sure you don't say brothers and sisters and, and leave off in Christ because we, can we don't even like each other without Jesus. What are the chances that we would even know each other? If, you didn't, if Jesus didn't bring you here, would, Isaiah, I, would, I might have seen you and wouldn't know who you were. We would have had no discussion. Not because he's one thing and I'm not. We just, I don't know you. <laughs> but since we do know one another, don't you think we ought to love one another? Amen. The way God asks us to love one another. That's what's going to be fun about this. See, that's what we get excited about coming together. And that's what you can't do apart. Galatians what? Five? Galatians five. Let's go to 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. I wonder what that word is going to be. Even in this, thou shalt what? Love thy neighbor as thyself. Wow. That's it. You know, the second half of the commandments. That's it. Love your neighbor. The love that God, sh Jesus has for us, have that same love for your neighbor. Amen. If these things are too hard, if the things that you've heard this morning are too difficult because God is telling you something, you don't feel like doing this, I want you to go back to Exodus. Let's go to 20 again. If it's too hard, you might want to consider your position in love. God says something, Exodus 18, 20, chapter 20, verse 18. And this is strange. We learned this a little while ago. This is strange. You would think, now, the things that you heard this morning, are they of God? Yes. Are they good for you? Should they uplift you? Should you be happy because God shared them with you? And you should be like, okay, Lord, what else? Yeah. Oh, do you ever read the account of the Ten Commandments being given and how the people reacted? <laughs> Let's go to 18th verse of Exodus chapter 20. Now, if you're having problems with what you heard this morning, I want you to go to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 18 and see where you are spiritually. We're going to read that for you so you don't have to worry. 
In Exodus 20, verse 18, we begin. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they just said, man, this is so good that God is speaking to us. <laughs> what did they say? They said they were moved and stood afar off. When the word of God comes and you remove yourself, it tells a lot about you. If the word of God comes and says, hey, man, this is love. This is how you can do this, man. We're going to come together and you do this. And I stand afar off. And, and what did he said, he stood afar off in verse 19. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. You know what was going to die? The sin in them. The things that God was trying to pull out of them so they could have that love relationship. They didn't want, they cherished that, those things. They didn't want to give up the ability to be selfish. They said, Moses, you speak to us. And think about that. God was talking to them. He came down and talked to them. <laughs> and they removed themselves from God. Do we do that? When God says, hey, man, here it is, I ain't ready for that. Let, let, let the preacher man over at so-and-so speak to me. See, if I go to this church, they ain't going to tell me those things. So if you got problems with Jesus or his word, consider Exodus 20, 18. And are you removing yourself away from God and saying, God, don't speak to us? I've seen people do that even here. Some people say, you teach too hard. How do you teach too hard? He said, we can't do those things. I said, yeah, none of us can. That's why we're here, because God's going to teach us how to do this. But I'm going to move myself afar off because that's too much. That, that's not necessary. God doesn't require these. He doesn't say we have to do that. He says we are all forgiven. We all are holy. You know, we have no sin. We're all going to be going to heaven, even the pimps, prostitutes, and everybody going to heaven because Jesus died for all of us. So you having to say we got to keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ, God said that in his word, but we don't have to do that anymore. You ever heard that? Go to John 10 and we're going to close. By God's grace. I want us to understand we have to consider our ways. Because God made a promise to us in John 10. A great promise. But in John 10, we're going to start in verse 25, and it might not, it might not seem like a promise yet. But 25, 25th verse of John 10, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them, what? Eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. See, this is where the promise is coming. See, he's, he was telling people, 
you're not on me because you don't listen to me. You won't hear me. You got another God. You're bowing down to yourself. You got a whole nother agenda. You don't hear me, but my sheep do hear me and I give them eternal life and they can never be taken out of my hand. Think about that. You can leave his hand, but they can't take Who's, who's going to be so powerful that they're going to take you out of the Father's hand? Nobody. But you can take yourself out. But this is the promise. Think about this. He said, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Amen. Are we happy about that? Just stay in his hand. Just stay there. The devil cannot take you from God. Do you believe that? I don't believe that. Oh, Lord, everybody going off. Uh, the devil can't take you from God. He can't. But you can leave God and join the devil. <laughs> and you know how you do that? When God comes to speak and you stand afar off. You want to know how to have a successful relationship? Learn love. Who's the first person you fall in love with? Yeah. For isn't he love? If you want a successful neighborly relationship, then what should you consult? God. Just go to Exodus chapter 20. Just read that. And say, oh man, that's how my relationship ought to be with. Yeah, that's it. I don't cover anybody. I'm happy you got yours. I'm out here trying to get mine. And let me help you in this. Oh, I'm not going to damage your reputation. I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to tell falsehoods to make myself look better. I'm not going to do that. Because we're in love, man. I love you. You love me. We're going to take care of each other. And the rest of the world who's trying to come against this power, my father said they can't touch you. Isn't that wonderful? You want a relationship like that? Now you know what kind of relationship to look for, don't you? Who out here trying to get married? Now you know what to look for, don't you? Have you married Jesus? If you ain't married Jesus, nah, you ain't going to be no good for nobody. I want you to look at it just like that. I don't want you to look at, they're not good for me. No. You aren't good for anybody until you marry Jesus. Until you and him have that love relationship. Then you just keep being single. Because why would God bring you a precious gift to a bum? Think about that. Men out here trying to get married. I want God to send me a wonderful wife and you break out your list. She need to be this, 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 this. No, she just need to be Proverbs 31. Oh, I want a Proverbs 31 woman, industrious woman. A woman who works with her hands. A woman who cares about it. A woman who knows how to do things. A woman, and you a bum. Why would God send that to you? Won't you say, God, make me not a bum. Help me be a child and a man of God. And guess what will happen? Then all of a sudden, a daughter of God will show up. And vice versa. Daughters, you're looking for a man. I want a man of God. Be a woman of God first. You're a woman of God. God has men out here. He really does. Devil has a lot of bums out here. And you don't want one of them. Amen? Amen? What do we learn today? Love. love. Relationship love. 
Amen. We're going to practice it and we're going to prosper. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer.